it today? Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. If you're grateful to be here, let it be known by an amen. amen. Eh, I'm not convinced. Amen again. Amen. That's a little better. So we are grateful to be here today. I wanted to, by way of a welcome, welcome those watching Facebook this morning. Um, we have people watching from all over the nation. It's pretty, it's pretty cool in that sense. But uh, also today, wanted to kind of give you a little um, uh, idea of what we're doing. So we are worshiping the Lord. That's always why we come here. That means give him our focused attention. The praise team has been uh, is, is practiced and ready to go. In fact, they were working on Easter music last night as well. But uh, today, that is our worship. We'll be worshiping through song. We worship through our giving of our time, our tithe, our talent, our attention. We'll be opening the word. But also, in conjunction with this morning, we're going to be having a business meeting. So it's not uh, at the end of our service. It's in conjunction with. So uh, we should be getting out about the same time. But it is the Lord's business as well, the business meeting. So I uh, just wanted to let you know that that is what we're doing. Um, we will be taking about a five-minute break between our service and the business meeting. So if you are a member of our church and you didn't sign up at the back, well, you can do that at that time. Don't, don't get up now. Let's make sure to give God our focused attention. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that? Dear Lord, we are grateful to be in your house today as your people. Us being called your people is not based on our nationality, our pedigree, or our bloodline. It's based on the fact that we've given our lives to Jesus Christ to do with as he pleased, and that has placed us in your family. We are your people. You are our God. And we say that with a smile today. Thank you for always being there. You have um, celebrated with us on mountaintops, and you have held our hands, and put your arm around us in the valleys. So today, we want to thank you and give you our attention and, of course, lift up the cross of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, you are invited into this room. You're invited into our hearts to do a work that only you can do. Bless us today. May we be a people that sees the need to reach out to a God that's reaching out to them. We lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good morning, church. Are you aware that the God of the universe, who created us though we rebelled against him, sent his son to die for us, to bring us back to himself, to reconcile our relationship with him? And that very same God, self-existent, in need of nothing um, or anyone, yet he desires that relationship with us, and he desires the praise of his people. So my question to you this morning, church, is are you ready to praise our Lord this morning? I hope you can say yes in your heart. We got a new song that we're going to start with this morning. It's called Hope Has a Name. It's, it's a very simple song. The verses all flow the same. There's no bridge. So hopefully it's something you guys can catch on to quick. But we are excited this morning to be able to worship our sovereign Lord who has given his son for us. And uh, Hope does have a name. His name is Jesus. Would you worship with us this morning? There is a song, I know it well, a melody. 
Your 
Thank you for your singing this morning. Maybe it was just me, but it sounded robust. We got to remember, I was reminded yesterday that when we worship, anything that we do, especially in this building, it's he's the audience. It's the audience of one. We're not performing for, before each other. Is not our primary goal. It is an audience of one. God is our audience. I was reminded of that uh, truth that sometimes... I forget, and you forget. Why? Because we are a forgetful people. Amen? Amen. Where am I again? There we go, Cross Point Baptist Church. I'm looking at uh, the Facebook feed. There is several people watching from all over the place this morning. We want to welcome those here. Uh, you, hopefully you got to hear the singing. But being here this morning, I felt it. I, it just sounded louder and strong, and I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. Again, that's something that you can't always um, experience unless you're in person. Um, we can be in or uh, watch these things, but sometimes it's best experienced. Today, I want to um, uh, share again, uh, the title of this is actually A Simple Message of the Cross. And I thought about it, and I thought, well, I think I just did that. And I think I just, I know I did it on, uh, on when we kind of do the Valentine uh, on February 14th. And um, then I'm also reminded that the cross is why we're here. The cross is why we're able to meet. There is, when we look at the Bible in its totality, there's, there's parts of it. It's all important. The full counsel of God's word all points to the cross. And everything after the cross is pointing back to the cross. So our life is to be focused on the cross. I want to also share with you that as we think of these things, that the cross of Jesus Christ 
To some people in the book of 1 Corinthians, they view it as foolishness and others view it as a stumbling block. From my perspective right now and where we are in 2021, I don't see a lot of people viewing the cross of Jesus Christ as a stumbling block. I think decades ago I would agree with that. The more that it was proclaimed, people would get stumbled on it because it wasn't their way to God. I think now, this is my opinion, I think now the cross of Jesus Christ is more foolishness. Disregarded. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at that. We're going to be at other portions of Scripture, but we'll, we'll hunker down on, on a couple. But just look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It is good to have uh, so many here today. The sun is shining. You can almost feel an anticipation uh, in, out and around about us, even with the sunshine and... and um, uh, weather changing, those are all uh, encouraging things, aren't they? And it helps us to maybe put the last year into perspective. I don't know if you realize this, but it was about a year ago right now. About a year ago this week is when we as a church body, as a nation, as a world kind of adjusted things. I would say come to a screeching halt and for a lot of people that's exactly what had happened. With the pandemic, for others, it's just been an adjustment. Um, it's been interesting to watch the ingenuity of, uh, I would say, human beings, the ingenuity of Americans, the ingenuity of our church to still, how do we still function in this life and be effective? And believe it or not, we found ways. We still found ways. There have been so many blessings over the last year, but if you're not careful, you'll only see the bad stuff. So make sure we keep our eyes fixed upon him and his sovereignty. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 through 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 through 24. The cross of Jesus Christ declares certain things. The cross within itself. And it's not always what we want to hear. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. You know, in verse 22, he's saying there's religious people, and a lot of times when you hear that word religious people, those are people that have set up their own religion, whether they realize it or not, even if they use the Bible or not. So where it says, for the Jews request a sign, Paul was writing here and saying religious people or seeking this. And the Greeks seek after wisdom, academia, intelligence, you know, a better way of doing things. Why does the world find the cross to be a stumbling block or dismiss it as foolishness? Look at verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Here's what I want to share with you today. The cross. Why do some see it as a stumbling block? Why do some see it as foolishness? The cross declares things that the world does not want to hear. Number two, the cross declares things 
that the world will not accept. Is that true in a church? It can be true in churches as well. So let's view that topic here a little bit this morning. The cross declares that we all are sinners. You've heard that. You know that. But let me remind you of how damaging it is in case we think too haughty of ourselves. Sometimes we think, uh, well, we're not perfect, but we're forgiven. But we, we still slide over into that area of I'm forgiven and God loved me so much. We're still, we, we were still a broken, distant people, every one of us. So I'm going to let you look over my shoulder. This morning I was here very early doing some other things. And um, I saw There is a Fountain, the song that we just sang right there. And I was singing all of the verses kind of by myself. No one else was in the building. Um, we have cameras in here, but you don't have audio. So those that have the security team, you may have seen me, but you didn't get to hear me. Be grateful for that. But the words of this um, uh, of verse 2, listen to the words of this song and see if you find yourself in them. It says, the dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Did you realize that in that song and in the Bible, we are just as vile as the worst sinner before God? Man, we hear that, we preach that, but do we fully understand that? We can mask it up pretty good. Meaning we can look like we're just not that bad. But compared to holiness, we are that bad. We are just as vile as he. So the verse, go, uh, verse 23, we all, are, um, we all are declared sinners apart from Christ. Every person in this room, you may think, well, I don't like to hear that. I hear that so much. I don't like that. I consider myself a nice person. I've sat in a courtroom a couple times. Never as a being tried. Never in that chair. Actually, I was in the chair, but I wasn't being tried. That's another story for another day. We'll, we'll talk about that a different time. But I've been in a courtroom several times. And it amazes me, even in small stuff, how people, when it would either be, it was come time, guilty, not guilty, how do you plead? And they'll always... Um, uh, having, they, they rarely, I, I've never heard it. And the, the two times I've been in courtroom, someone say, I'm guilty. I've never heard it. But I've heard, I'll plead not guilty or no contest. And then they'll go on to tell the judge how nice of a person they are. You maybe could convince yourself of that if it weren't for the cross. See, the cross is for Everyone. Because we all have sinned. But have you applied? To the lost, to this world, the cross only stands for shame, for guilt and conviction. And that would be easier to ignore if it weren't for the cross. But it doesn't change anything. You may say, all right, Pastor Scott, I hear what you're saying, but I'm, not, I'm just not that bad. Why are you preaching to me? I'm already, 
I've already professed Christ as my Savior, so why are you coming at me so hard? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Because what I've learned, something I've learned in grief share, you know why we grieve at the passing of a loved one, someone very close to you? You grieve a lot because you loved a lot. See that? You grieve a lot because you love a lot. When you really understand your depravity, you're going to appreciate the cross that much more. you got to understand the chains that we were in. The hopelessness. You can blame it on upgrading your, your surroundings and all those things, but the bottom line is we are distant from God. We were bad. We were hopeless. And skipping through it all, perhaps, in your life. But you think, but Pastor Scott, you're setting up the stage to say, I was that bad. I'm speaking to the Christian right now, okay? To the lost unbelieving person, um, we, you need to realize the same thing. But I want to speak to the Christian because the believers many times just forget how bad or never truly realized how bad the damaging effects of sin is in their life, was in their life. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, just a glimpse says, uh, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by the by wicked works, yet now has yet now has reconciled. So keep keep there in Colossians. We're going to look at some more verses around that. But you say I'm really not that bad. In verse 21, you see that who once were alienated and enemies to who to God? Where in your mind? What does that mean? That means you are enemy of God. All of us? Well, let's just go down to one. Who is God's enemy? Where the original sin? Evil. Satan. That, that, that's, he is the enemy of God. That's whose camp you're in at birth. That's whose camp we're in. So before we mask our lives like it's really not that bad, let's look at the fact of what the Bible says, and you who... Once were alienated and enemies in your mind. How? By the wicked works. We sin with our hearts. We sin with our hands. And yet now he has reconciled. You can't appreciate the cross to you recognize how sinful that you were and are. Why am I sharing this? Because if you will appreciate the cross, embrace the cross, it, you won't need a cheerleader you won't need a pastor to hype you up on Sunday mornings. You won't need a midweek Facebook to, 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 to get you there. You will need them just to learn of this cross, learn of this God. If you're needing a week, weekly pick-me-up, you're, 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 you're gimping your way through this thing called the Christian walk. Appreciate the cross. The cross is all the time right here calling out to the believer. A daily gospel. It gets worse, really, because even if you control your works, your mind and heart is the seat of sin. Matthew chapter 25 goes on to share just that. But I want to share this scripture a little bit more detailed in your life as we consider the Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. I'll go back to verse 19. Keeping the keeping this in context 
of verse 21 that we read. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Did you know it pleased the Father to put his son on that cross? It pleased him. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it to anybody's child, more or less my own. To sacrifice a child. That was his idea. That was his plan. I don't have that much love, perhaps, in my heart. But God does. Verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Jesus was fully God, fully man, without sin, making him the perfect sacrifice. Look over to chapter 2, verse 9 of the same book. A page over in your Bible. We are actually studying this on Wednesday night um, in the book of John. How that Jesus Christ, his deity, is co-equal. His divine character is co-equal with God. Chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's all God. He's all. Chapter 1, verse 20. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having, uh, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. What would look to be a, a death, deadly. The blood is a violent, ugly death. It's a slow death when the blood is out of your body. But it is the blood of Christ that it ultimately brought peace. You, you don't have that blood in your body. But he did because he was a perfect sacrifice. You guys remember 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. Pastor Scott's typed up verse he shares every week. How he made him. There, there's but one God. My favorite verse that I misquoted. There's but one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful. It's a personal relationship that gets you connected back to your creator. Be grateful that you don't have to rely on your pastor getting you to God. I will drop that ball. I can't get you there. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is where it all starts. And if you ever get embarrassed about the gospel, that word gospel or churchgoer, Christian, all those terms, if you ever get embarrassed, please remember Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It is a powerful verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In fact, we need to be holding it up. Why? For it is the power to God. It's a power unto God. It's the only way to God. It is powerful. Colossians chapter 1, look at the very next verse. The verse 21, it says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So in verse 21, who were once alienated, that means cut off is what it means. No ability. There's no detour but cut off. 
My wife was coming home the other night from her father's house and the ramps, they're doing a bunch of work on the ramps and um, she kept these late hours. So she got in like at 9.30 and I was already in bed. But I heard her on the phone talking about the ramps were closed and it, but she found, still found a way to get home. This word alienated means cut off. There's no other way. That's how damaging sin is. There's no other way to God except through Christ. Well, he mentions that in the very next part of the verse. By wicked works, yet now he, ha now he has reconciled. Now, Paul isn't saying that all mankind is now reconciled, but believers, that's who he's writing to. Here's the question, do you know him today? Do you know him today? Do you need to clean up that relationship? I was reminded of a saying that, um, you know, it's funny. It, when you're in ministry, a lot of times we feel inadequate. We don't know what's right to do, but we're just going to step in and, and do it. And I was reminded today of something all through the 90s that, uh, as a youth dude, that I would say, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. You know, we say that to kids a lot, right? I don't know if you realize this. That applies to adults, too. Garbage in is what's going to come right back out. Maybe you need to clean that up as well. He has now reconciled. How? Look in verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You know what above reproach means? Without an accusation. That's how he presents us before God not for the Bema seat, but for the right standing with God. He is now reconciled in the body of his flesh. The Gnostics, which is what the thinking was going on right here in Colossae. You may think, well, we're smarter now than ever. We have more academia. We have more colleges. We, we, we are just a smarter intellect than there were back in those days. They were saying the same thing then that we're saying now. They were probably saying it better then. The Gnostics, they taught and denied Christ's physical reconciliation, saying it's only spiritual. I want to share with you today that you can know truth. Truth. Truth doesn't matter how smart you are. How much money you have, how you can present yourself, you can know truth. Thy word is truth, the Bible says. What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way, the life, and the... 176 times in the book of Psalm 119, his word is referred to as truth and reliable. But they didn't know what we know now because we're so much smarter now. You can't find truth in this world right now. Hey, I have an idea. Let's do a quick Google search on, 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 and find some truth. You can't find You ain't going to know it if it's right there in front of you. But thy word is truth. You can know truth. And by the way, truth is not in and of yourself. That is subjective I love the Bible because it states truth in an objective manner. 
Here it is. Truth. Subjective truth is what I think is true. Oh my goodness. Subjective truth is throughout the Bible true as well. Remember Israel? When every man did was what was right in their own eyes. How did that end? They didn't do what was right in the eyes of God. Israel didn't. The days of Noah. Remember everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Israel, God's people, time and time again, they would do what's right in their own eyes. Your eyes will deceive you. Your mind's eye will deceive you. We want to do what's right in his eyes. Verse 22 says, he presents you holy. That means perfect and without blemish before our God. And blameless and above reproach in his sight. He did what you couldn't. Let's sneak verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Verse 22, he shares with us the truth that he did what we couldn't. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, Perseverance is the proof of the reconciling, reconciling work of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that he hasn't given up on me the way that I've given up on him. You probably are shocked to hear somebody admit that of a pastor. You've given up on God? Yeah, I probably have at times, and odds are you have too. God, where are you at? I don't understand what's going on. That's just being honest and truthful. In fact, the disciples had the exact same hang-up and they were walking with him. But in verse 23, where he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, perseverance is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because it's not you giving up on God. It's a fact that once you place your faith in him fully, he never gives up on you. He's always working and he's He's working and he's working. And sometimes we get to see it. Sometimes we can't. Sometimes others see it in you and you can't see it in yourself. Sometimes you can see it in others and they can't see it. That's, that's exciting to me when I get to see God working in other people. So exciting. Why would anyone not respond when the Spirit is convicting your heart and soul? Drawing you closer to him. Opening your eyes to understanding. In the 1 Corinthians 1 that we shared at the beginning, I also understand that this could be embarrassing to the religious person that had been going to church their whole life to realize I am not in right standing with God. That, that could be very embarrassing. I understand that. Or the person that, that has all this knowledge and thought they had it all figured out, but yet there's no fruit in their life. That could be embarrassing. To, have, to, have, to say you have things figured out in life, to only to get further down the road in life and realize you have more questions than you have answers. That could be embarrassing. It could make you feel unworthy. Here's a secret. You are. We're unworthy of the cross. Come to him. I believe someone 
today, whether it be through Facebook Live or within our four walls this morning, needs to renew, rekindle, or maybe even consider this Christ in a real manner. In a real manner. You need to shake up. And a great indicator is this. Are you fed up with your sin? If you're fed up with your sin, that is a great indicator that the Holy Spirit may be working in your life. And it, the very next word that comes to mind there is the word repentance. So as we open God's word this morning, let it be soothing to the wayward that he's drawing back. I hope that it's convicting to the one that, that, that is not a genuine believer, but you're there. And he's, I hope it's convicting to you so that you can be wooed unto our Lord and know him. And, and, and as you hear the testimonies over the last year of Scripture coming to life, the peace that passes understanding, the way that he says, I will supply all your needs, and he's done it. We've got these testimonies right here in this room. Perhaps you've heard them and haven't experienced. A great indicator to start with is, are you fed up with sin? Let's bow for prayer and draw some application for our life this morning in a spiritual sense. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the simplicity of your word. I pray that as we teach and preach and attempt to model this year in 2021, that you are honored. And, and we have no idea what that looks like. We had no idea a year ago, dear God, what it would look like. This year we could be back to everything at full, full ministries or maybe even still partial. We just don't know yet. But we do know this, that you're our God. And as a body of believers, we come together. And as a body of believers, we, we look unto you and we are praying for each other this morning. To be encouraged in your word and to step into the relationship with which we are called. To be fulfilling to your kingdom, your agenda, fulfilled in our own personal walk, keeping our eyes fixed on you and not ourselves. So bless our time together. Do a work that only you can do. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it is true that we do come together and honor the Lord uh, is our goals when we meet like this. The, for some time now, we've been planning to have a business meeting. Uh, usually it's in the month of January. Um, with the way things have been, we've uh, postponed that until now to where we feel like we can do it in a safe manner. So we're going to have that business meeting here this morning. In just about five minutes, we'll start the meeting. Um, it's not, it's in conjunction with our worship service. So if you are a member of Cross Point Baptist Church, and I would uh, encourage you to make sure you signed up in the back just so we can have a record of uh, our quorum. And then we will cover uh, our business meeting. There's three things we're going to be talking about um, and it should be done in a concise manner. One is our budget. Two is our election of officers. And three is a missionary support. So um, I would say goodbye to our Facebook friends. 
We love you guys. In fact, everybody turn around and wave to your Facebook friends. Let them know they're loved. But we're going to turn off uh, the World Wide Web, as it, as it were. And uh, this will give you five minutes. Use the restroom. But really, in five minutes, we're going to meet back together. And we will do the business of God. Amen? Amen.